Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or bumble like a crack of wine gumbo. Standing on the ground, black feet hurt. Coming worms and joints, and I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok. They just blah, call blah, me the mouth blah. of the South. And alongside of me is the catastrophe queen, the claim Dane, Miss Jessica Odell, and the candidly conjoling. The clamorously cavort, the one, the only, baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How's everybody doing today? Good. We're actually recording this just before Thanksgiving, so it's kind of a kind of a dead week for a lot of people, including Donna. I don't know about dead. I'm I'm like hundred miles an hour because the next couple days might be a little dead. Today's just like. Back to back to back to back meetings, coordination. Well, I think your organization is a lot bigger than my organization is. So everything I'm doing is trying to get a hold of people at carriers and everyone is mysteriously on vacation. So I'm <laughs> going to give people a tip. Don't have a loss during Thanksgiving because nobody works at an insurance carrier, especially in the claims department, evidently during Thanksgiving, because I certainly can't get a hold of anybody. They hardly work there anytime. Unless it's to tell me my claim's not approved. They're, they're always there for that. So I'm very, very happy about that. I got a, I got a denial back just the other day on something and they changed the reason they denied it (laughs) from the original denial letter. So I write, I write this, just, I I write this letter um, in rebuttal to their reason to deny it. That basically just blows it out of the water. And so they sent another denial changing their reason for denial. (laughs) So now I've got to write another letter and, you know, and the, the new reason is just as ridiculous. So that's going to be fun that I have to get into, but, um, Hey, baby cakes, do we have any fun facts? We do fun facts with baby cakes is brought to you by Inc. The best way to get paid after a property claim, Inc. Ink, save time, get paid. Um, so this week is going to kind of be fun facts with Jeremy, because you have a fun fact. But let me, I have one really quick, um, and I don't know if I can pronounce this. An ultra-crepidarian ultra-crep, is someone who gives opinions on things they know nothing about. Oh, so just about every dad on the planet? Yes, and every engineer on the planet. Every engineer, yeah. <laughs> so most, yeah. Ultra crepidarians. Well, these shingles can be repaired. Have well, you ever repaired a shingle? No. no. But I am an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so, What's your fun fact? So the fun fact that some of you probably know this about me, and if you're a big-time history buff, you probably correlated the last names but with us so close to the anniversary of the kennedy assassination my fun fact is this my great uncle so my dad's uncle was a dallas police officer and he was handcuffed to lee harvey oswald when lee harvey oswald got shot by jack ruby so um he's kind of the taller gentleman in the black and white photo that appears to have like a white or a gray suit on it's actually a tan suit and if you're interested what that suit looks like there you can actually visit the sixth floor museum and hear all about him and he recently passed just like a 
I guess a couple of years ago, right? Two years ago. Wasn't it during the, it was during the pandemic. So it may be almost three years ago that he passed away. Yes. It was during the pandemic, I believe. And so it was almost three years ago. And I was actually in the motorcade from the church to the, uh, to the, uh, to the cemetery. And for those of you in the Dallas area over on the east side of Dallas, they shut down interstate 30 for this motorcade. And it was on a, I believe it was on a Saturday. And it may have been during a week. It was during the week. It was during the week. Okay. So it was very close to, you know, it was probably two or three o'clock or somewhere around that time. And so you can imagine how frustrating it was to have an entire interstate shut down. But, uh, and so I could see the traffic sort of around trying to wait to get back onto Interstate 30 while until that motorcade cleared. So, but. So did he, did he have any knowledge of whether there were, was one gunman or two? So. Um, my guess is is that he did have knowledge, but what he publicly always said is that he believed that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, which is what I would say as well on the chance that there was a conspiracy. Do you know what I mean? Because those are things that if you're right or even if you're guessing and you're guessing right, you're digging too much and there was some sort of conspiracy attached to it, I think it's the better part of self-preservation to kind of keep that stuff to yourself. So why was it, why were they going out that door? Um, actually, what he, what um, my uncle actually said that that's a really dumb place to try to, because they they went down through a tunnel in the parking garage basically because they thought that it would be safer. But my uncle was aware that the press was already there, and they absolutely one hundred percent insisted that that's the way they take them out. So it was the uh, Secret Service that insisted that I believe it was the Secret Service that insisted that he be taken out that way. And lo and behold, that is where Jack Ruby laid in wait to end Lee Harvey Oswald's life. And here's an interesting thing that you can't tell from the picture. So when Jack shot Ruby, he shot him sort of in the left side of the abdomen and the bullet lodged in the right side of his, on his right side, just, you know, kind of where the love handle would be, so to when speak. When Jack shot Oswald. You said when Jack shot Ruby. Oh, I'm sorry. When Jack, Jack shot, shot Oswald. I'm sorry. <laughs> it kind of lodged, it kind of lodged in what, kind of like where your love handle would be. And uh, my uncle told me he felt very, uh, very fortunate that it didn't, you know, in and it wasn't an in and out. It wasn't a through and through injury because it would have hit him. But interestingly enough, DC Graves was the guy on the other side of Oswald. And what he did is he put his thumb between the hammer and the chamber of the gun so that he could not squeeze off another round. <laughs> and so he tried to squeeze because it was a double action pistol. And so he did squeeze off another another round. And I believe it broke. I, I don't know for sure, but I remember I think my uncle told me broke that his it, thumb. it actually broke his thumb. Um, when that hammer hit his thumb because he tried to squeeze off another round, but he got his thumb between the hammer and the chamber of that revolver. So that's my fun fact. And, uh, you know, now you know, and knowing's half the bullshit. Awesome. So there we go. Guys, we've got an incredible show for you today. I have, I think the best part of this is I am pitching the keys to the bus over to my lovely co-host, Miss Jessica Odell. We are going to be talking about all things depositions today. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. So as you, and I'm sure I know that I'm going to have a lot of questions. I personally am not very experienced in depositions. Jess has done a lot of them. 
and uh, this is really kind of out of her mind, and I am really looking forward to this discussion because not only do I have questions, I mean, I feel like I would be pretty prepared just kind of going in blind, but I bet that I'm not, even though I'm pretty confident in my way to, you know, handle an attorney. But I'm sure that I would get they would mop the floor with me, believe it or not. But we're going to get into all things depositions. Um, make sure you drop your questions and comments in the chat below. If you have questions, we'll do our best to get back to you and give you the best possible answer. I am looking forward to this. And without further ado, let's get into it because round one starts right after this. Public adjusters, listen up. It's Jeremy Lavelle, owner of Remedy Claims Consulting, host of the Rumble, and most importantly, your claims coach. Public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find. Sure, you can take some online seminars, you can show up to conferences, but none of them tailor training just for you until now. Whether you need to learn how to estimate, scope, negotiate, or prospect, I can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop. Maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to Z, or you're just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim. I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click get started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click get started. You can even shoot me an email at Jeremy at RemedyClaims.com. That's J-E-R-O-M-Y at RemedyClaims.com. It's time to move your career to the next level. Round one, how to be prepared. So just as I said, here's the keys and let's start the engine up. Insert engine sound. You don't have to say that. I know what to do. <laughs> so what can we do, Jess, to get ready? I mean, what are what is what are what are some of those things there? I know a lot of attorneys will prep you prior to a deposition, but what are you what should we be doing? Well, first, before I dive in, I I want people to understand where this topic is coming from and why it's so near and dear to my heart. I am not <laughs> not an expert at depositions <laughs> in terms of how to do one the right way. Um, what I might be is a poster child for what not to do. Um, so I have plenty of pointers and, and I, I I can't name the law firm, but there there's a law firm out there that bless their hearts. They, they finally one day say, Jess, you've done several of these and we just have to let you know you suck. Aww. And I said, thank you. Thank you for being honest with me. Thank you for, I need this feedback. There's no classes out there for public adjusters to take on how to do a deposition. Yep, we'll you know, some of us back. think, oh, well, this is just cut and dry. You just go in and you answer the questions. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's, there's so many things to do and not to do. And, and you think you're helping by just answering questions and, and you may actually be harming. And, and I didn't realize I had been doing that. So I thank my uh, angel law firm for put, pulling me aside and they spent, a, you know, a solid two and a half, three hours coaching me. Um, I, the, the preparing for part I had done, right? So that is understanding your case. 
take in advance request from the attorney who or, or whomever you know who's request the file can you please let me know what file it is that we're doing you know maybe a lot of the ones that i had uh done depositions for were two and three years old already you know a lot of them were hurricane laura uh and so i had to request the file then you go through the file and i don't mean like the night before at you know 11 p.m i, I mean you know do it the week before prepare any questions that you might have. If you feel like you're missing something, it's an opportunity to go, hey, I think I'm missing this piece of information. Yep, yes, you are. I forgot. It's over here. Here it is. Um, what you don't want is to get into the deposition and go, oh, I, did, I didn't even know that existed. Well, you didn't ask for it either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of got to help the attorneys help you too as the person being deposed. So review the file. Do you have the photos, the documentation, the evidence? Are there mold reports that are supposed to be in there, you think? You know, or if something's not adding up or making sense, ask for it. So it's not really just, um, you also have, it's not really just read the file. It's educate yourself on it and make sure that you understand the data and the information that's in there. Um, at a very at a very strong or intimate level you've got to know you've got to know the data the facts that that are coming through because they're going to bust all that down right they will and the more that you have studied that file the less painful it is the less you're going to be fumbling around and going uh 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 you know those little things right the, the, you don't want to look you know like you're not a credible you know part of this claim or this file you, this case you you want to present yourself as the expert on that file. Uh, unfortunately, the depositions I had uh, participated in, you know, it was uh, for a firm that I had worked for where the, the firm's owner had passed away. And that left, you know, nine depositions right off the bat that somebody needed to fill ASAP because I had been, you know, the next in line for management and things like that, the next in the chain. You know, they asked me to fill in the gaps. So on a lot of them, I, I didn't even inspect the loss. Uh, you know, I didn't write the estimate, but I had to provide an expert opinion Sure. as somebody who, you know, who, who knew the ins and outs and the protocols and the processes and procedures of the firm. So, you know, not every time are you going to be deposed as the person who inspected or wrote the estimate. I mean, if you're, you know, hopefully for most of you out there, you're, you're in the firm. You were the person that inspected it. You were the person who wrote the estimate. That That's the best case scenario, right? You were there walk, you know, from start to finish, you know, you pretty much know a lot about that file without having to thoroughly study it. But there will be times as experts where you'll be called to opine, you know, or, or provide some kind of opinion in a situation where maybe the, the original writer is, is no longer with us. So, you know, that's where that prepare and understand and study the file really comes from. Another technique, do a mock deposition. Grab another PA, grab somebody else, you know, in industry that you trust. Go maybe find an attorney that you trust and say, hey, I, I got this deposition coming up. Would you mind, you know, firing rounds at me so that I can, you know, respond and you can give me feedback on how I'm doing? So I have a quick question for you. Um, and, and again, I'm not asking these questions from an interview standpoint. Again, this is just a discussion, um, you know, cause when I find myself in the rumble of, of a deposition and I, and, and, you know, I really look at it like that because it, I mean, you're squared off with somebody and, and more than likely they're formidable. 
right? I mean, they've got they've got a lot of information on their side that you, not as an attorney, have they have on their side that you don't have on your side. They also are in control because they know what they're going to say, and they probably have a pretty decent idea of what you're going to say. And so they kind of have the upper hand in that level. But Jess, I, I would I would ask this question: How much of that deposition, especially early on in it? Do they come after your like personal character? You know what I mean? Like we saw, we saw this on Facebook or we noticed that this is what your credit report says and all of those kinds of things. I'm just, you know, you're behind on, you're behind on this and you, you're behind on your mortgage or your, you know, that kind of thing where they try to question your character. So how much of that do they do and how effective is Um, it is really my, you know, cause you want to have answers for these things. You know what I mean? Right. So that's that's why I asked the question. And it is a really good question because it will happen. And it has happened to friends of mine, people that are, are very good people that may have had some skeletons in their closet from long, long ago. We're talking 20 years ago, you know, and it's unfortunate, but they do. They they dig it up and they, they want to see, they want to push buttons. Um, and for me, I don't know, maybe it was because... I was military. I had a top secret clearance. I lived a very boring life. Maybe I just, I didn't have anything for them to uh, dig up, but they, they still tried to discredit me, uh, you know, because I came into the industry so late in my career, you know, I was prior service military, 15 years, you know, department of defense, military, what, you know, what have you. I didn't have a construction background. I didn't have a claims background. I didn't have all these things. So, the first thing they did try to do was discredit me in that regard. You sure. know, you, you, you're, you're coming to us with no experience. Well, what, what, what makes you an expert? Well, I attended IA school. I attended a PA school. You know, I got IICRC certified. I got a thermography, you know, certification. I took Xactimate level one and two from, you know, Steve Harmon, I, you know, p- reputable companies, reputable institutions or, or whatnot. You know, I, I just, made up for that in education. Answer, I guess my answer would be as well. You subpoenaed me. Why am I here? I would like to know why I am here. If you want to, I mean, like you're the one that wrote the subpoena. So if you want to know why I'm here, I think you might want to look inward for that answer. So if you got some questions, I'm more than happy to answer them to the yeah, best well, of my ability. But, uh, you know, you might check your reasoning and why should we listen yeah. to you? I don't know. You're the one that wanted to ask me questions. So, I mean, I'll do the best I can and have, hopefully I give you what you're looking for or not give you what you're looking for, I guess, in some cases. There was um, a friend of mine. She, they said she, they questioned her motherhood. Yeah. Because that's, that's kind of what, what? And I don't know that that would ever, I don't know that that would really ever discredit you as a expert witness or in a field of something. It's more to rattle you. I would think. That's right. It's because they're wanting to live rent free right between your ears is where they're wanting, they're wanting to get into your head. And so if they can make you stumble and make you even question and doubt yourself, that is going to come through in all of your answers. So I, I know, I, I believe that that's the point of it, because more than likely, a jury's never going to hear this. But on, a, on the chance that they do, just know that this is not the last time you're going to have to answer this question. And so any of those skeletons that you have in your closet or anything that you know that it's of public record, especially those things that are a public record, like if you've ever been sued or any of those kinds of things, they're going to know. They're going to know about it. And uh, trust me. 
trust me, they're going to ask about it and they're going to use it to discredit you. I know that just from me sort of asking different attorneys. That's job number one. That's what they go in and that's what they do, whether it's with, you know, and then they'll move into your your professional discreditation or whatever, um, trying to remove that. Um, I know, uh, and I'm kind of, I, I've, you know, somebody, <laughs> I had a, I had a public adjuster friend of mine and we both worked for a large national carrier that we had to get a certification in order to work claims for. And, um, and <laughs> he had to go through a deposition with this particular carrier and, uh, they asked him, why should we trust your exactimate estimate? And his response was, well, y'all trained me how to use it. It was okay when I was writing claims for you. Why wouldn't it be okay now? All I've That's done is funny. learn more. You seem to like my you seem to like my estimates when I knew less than I do now. So what's the problem with it now? And that was his answer. And then they just literally moved on. And I just thought that that was sort of a juggernaut of an answer. It's like y'all trained me. So I write the same estimate I've always written. <laughs> yeah, so that that would be another thing to prepare for. Prepare for them to try to discredit you on a personal level and try to discredit you on a professional level. And if there are some skeletons or some, you know, professional gaps in experience or whatever, be prepared for that to be thrown at you and prepare to just kind of brush that off as them trying you know, to how get is that head. relevant to the claim? Yeah, because how is did, that relevant yeah, to the claim? Right. Yeah. How is that relevant? Because whether you can write an exactimate or not write an exactimate, whether I mean, because you're not really there to be a professional estimator or a contractor. That's not the reason that you're there. What your job is and what you're claiming to be an expert in the reason that you've entered this claim process. Let's be clear. What is your job? What is your level of expertise is aiding the policyholder in fulfilling and completing the duties after a loss? And if you've done that with a level of expertise and whether it's gathering estimates or writing an estimate yourself whatever the case may be and it's like why do you think your estimate is better well i submitted it to multiple contractors and they seem to be able to do it for that price you know um you know those those are things and one of the things that i teach and control the narrative which is coming up on march the 5th um, one of the things that I teach and control the narrative is that you have to have a healthy amount of experts sort of behind you that kind of corroborate what you're saying, you know, and that's the most important thing. But when they try to attack sort of your character and your, and your, and your professional capability, I would always just lean on the fact it's like, look, man, I didn't, you know, make a reservation to be here today. You know, and so if you've got questions, I'll give you I'll do my best to answer your questions, but I'm not here to defend my credibility. You called me here. And so that's why I'm here. So let's be clear. I'm not here to prove you wrong and them right or vice versa or any of that. I am here to answer your questions. I'm not here because I want to be because trust me, I'd almost rather be anywhere else. And why should you listen to me? I don't know. That depends on your questions. And and it's completely related to the questions that you're asking. Maybe we can look at that at the end, you know, and that is what I would that's what I would stand on. You are not required to know everything. And that's and that's the one thing I've had every attorney that I've talked to about dep depositions is you are not required to know everything there is to know about whatever it is that they're asking you what they're hoping 
what they're hoping to do is get you to give a longer answer than really you need to and for you to speculate because the moment you speculate that's when they can rip you to shreds and you have then stood out as an expert and then they expose you as you're get you're putting something on the record that you don't have any business talking about so most importantly what i would say is keep your mouth shut and answer the question that they ask in the in that in that question only you know what i mean so don't try to get in there and show them how smart you are and how quickly you can dance around they're the attorney's questions. And just because you've watched every episode of Perry Mason doesn't mean you know what's coming. You don't want to be on the record as an ultra crepidarian. Yeah, somebody who doesn't know anything about what they're giving an opinion so on. I got to use it in a sentence. Yeah. You don't want to be ultra, what is it? Ultra crepidarian. Ultra crepidarianistic. <laughs> Let's add another syllable to that impossible <laughs> SAT word. Ultra crepidarianistically. <laughs> right. <laughs> While my answer may be ultra crepidarian, I would say <laughs> if you're going to force me to have an opinion. Anyway, <laughs> um, there we go. That's th th Those are, those are word games with, with baby cakes. <laughs> What what else are some of the things, and I didn't mean to just go on pontificating about something I don't know about because I've just not been in a lot of depositions. Um, so what are what are the what what are other things that we should prepare for? So we've got, you know, be prepared to answer questions about yourself. Obviously the file, you know what I mean? So what are some other things and you know, as far as organizational skills that we should prepare for? Uh Something else is to have your CV at the ready. So um, you can have, typically they like to ask for that in advance. Um, but sometimes during depositions, they'll say, you know, I, I don't think I ever received that. Would you mind sending it and dropping it into the comment box? That's not exactly the time for you to go, uh, I don't have one. So making sure you have a CV at the ready if they don't already have it. That also okay, yeah. You know, a CV, a I've heard that too. That's for. that's really great. Have your CV curriculum vitae. Yeah, right. And uh, I think that that's a really good idea. Have your CV at the ready. So when it comes to CV, there's no reason to inflate that. It's just like you know, if you want to ask me questions, I'm happy to answer them. But here's my qualifications: like it or don't like it. You've asked me to be here. You know what I mean? And my job. And again, I want to go back to no matter what your CV says. The duties after a loss are pretty clear cut and they're not super complicated. You know what I mean? Now, as a public adjuster, there's some things that we do when we go to go to go to, um, you know, performing the duties after the loss. One of the things that you should be doing is being able to determine causation and whether that causation is a covered peril and whether or not coverage is absolutely available and what the available coverage is are as it pertains to that loss. So I'm not saying that it's just as simple as going out and getting an estimate from a contractor because it is considerably more complicated than that, you know, in gathering the documentation that's required to absolutely prove the loss. So if you're not doing all of those things, you may find yourself in a deposition sorely unprepared that makes this thing turn out to look like a frivolous lawsuit. So, um, you know, I know one of the things, you know, ex, uh, you know, attorneys do, don't they, don't they kind of hire their own expert from time to time, Jess? Yes. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, that's the other thing that they do to make sure that they have a case. Well, guys, that's the end of round one. These are the things to prepare for. 
Um, round two is going to be a lot of is going to be a lot of fun because these are things we're going to talk about the things that you can do, um, and these are things that you should do. Um, we're going to get into that in round two. It starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, what you should do. So Jess, I throw it to you. What are things we should be doing in a deposition? Tell me. Several things. One is to remain calm and collected. I know that sounds so like no duh, but especially when in your first one, two or whatever, you, it is very natural for you to feel nervous, unsure, and it will come out, especially because, you know, you're doing Zooms and you're being recorded. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of benefit to, to having some of these done by Zoom because you're not in the same room. And so you don't feel everyone else's tension or whatever, but it can still be picked up through voice and face expressions and how fast you answer your questions. If you, you know, before the deposition or whatever, do some breathing techniques, yoga, whatever it is, whatever, whatever helps you calm down and get composed. Six shots of tequila. And then two, if you're starting to get worked up, like somebody's really started pushing your buttons, and because it will happen. It's not a question of if, but it will happen. They're going to push your buttons. Take a break. You can request a break. That allows you to regroup, refocus, and bring yourself back down. You can have as many breaks as necessary. So don't be afraid to ask for them. Do they set those so rules prior to the deposition beginning, prior prior to them asking you questions? Do they kind of let you know sort of what the, for lack of a better term, the etiquette of what is going to happen in this and what you can, you know, not necessarily what you can and can't do, but, you know, more of what is expected of you and what your liberties are. Do they ever, do they do that kind of instruction or is that something that the attorney that is representing you or representing the policyholder kind of prepares you for? Typically, most of the opposing counsel, so the, the folks representing the carriers, they, they'll they they'll mention that. Hey, you know, if you need a break, just let me know, you know, raise your hand or, or you know, whatever in the Zoom. So yeah, they, they usually do. They say it's, don't forget, you know, we'll take a break. They, they say sometimes they're, they'll pre-schedule some, especially if it's going to, if they know it's going to be a longer deposition, they'll say something like, you know, we'll take a five minute break at the 45 minute mark or something like that. Usually they'll have something for you. Yeah. Um, so no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask a really yeah. dumb question. So I'm just not going to ask that question because that's, you remember when we were talking kind of off air about my cousin Vinny and Marissa Tomei want to do all of those kind of yes. questions. I think that that would be, 
you know, and that'll be round three. You know what I mean? So I'll get back. Yes, it will be but round three. I think <laughs> I think I have and 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 one of the things that Jess had told me, <laughs> you know, and she's she sort of opened the show about this why it's near and dear is the law firm that she was working with told her, You suck at this. And I am quite certain that because people who like to talk and they're rather verbal people and they're communicators by nature, they are probably that is not the place to break out your superpower. And I think that would be the hardest thing for me, especially when they ask you sort of those double-edged sword questions like, are you just inexperienced or are you just uh, negligent? You know what I mean? Those yeah. kinds of those hard questions, like no matter what I answer, it casts me in a bad light. Do they ever do anything like that? And can you say neither or refuse to answer something like that? I have... Fortunately, never been asked that type of question, but I think it's because they figured me out early on enough. I'm very technical, very detailed, you know, knows the facts and the this is and the that's right. And and that is that is a weakness that can be picked up and they will ask you, so why don't you tell me about this? And, and oh, well, let me let you know. Okay, in the S500 manual, there's on page 16, there's a definition that says this, and then there's this, and then there's that, and then you start running your mouth. And so the people that are very technical, that, that take that, that pride in knowledge, tend to overshare. So we'll get into that in round three. But for, for this round, what you're alluding to is answering only the question that is asked it's like and that reminds me of a scene in in uh my cousin Vinny, mrs riley and only mrs riley (laughs) that's the only one that needs to be answering this question (laughs) so answer the question here and here's what i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this this uh example out at you jeremy yes do you know what time it is yes i do that's the right answer. So I shouldn't say Most, it's 421 or whatever time. Exactly. Yeah, because yes. you want you want to get the, yeah, respond to the question not to the information they're inquiring about. Respond to the question. Yeah. So to answer only the question that is asked, you first have to listen carefully to each word in the question asked. One of the techniques that I was coached to do and I just thank, thank you for this one. It is count to five, formulate your answer. And then when you give your answer, you're making a statement and also kind of repeating the question at the same time. So for example, is the sky blue? Count to five in your head. One, two, three, four, five. It depends. Yes. It depends. The sky is blue. During the, you know, day. That it, During the day. Well, right. <laughs> well, there's that. But you, right. in other words, you say the yes or the no, it, it, but but have where you have restated the question. That then gives opposing counsel opportunity to say, okay, maybe I answer. Maybe I ask this. You know, I chose the wrong word. What I really wanted to ask you was this question. So, listen to each word in the question being asked. Count to five under your breath, formulate your answer, and repeat the question, but in the form of a statement. And then if you don't know, holy cow, you guys, you can say, I don't know. I think that that's really, yeah. 
acceptable answer. Yeah, perfect. I, think, I did not realize that that's a perfectly acceptable yeah, answer for know. an expert anywhere to say. Yeah, right. And and that's what you don't want to appear saying I don't know seems to be self discrediting to what they're asking you about. But that is not. Nobody knows everything especially when it comes to circumstantial, you know, what size hail hit the roof? I don't know. I can tell you what was reported by somebody else, but basically anything that I know came from a report. I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't there. So I cannot testify to what size hail hit the roof. You know, um, there are several reporting agencies that have stated what the average size was, but I don't know what actually fell on that roof. And moreover, any of those reports here, I am rambling on again, you know, that's and and I'm, I'm sitting here just thinking about that. If you don't know, you don't know. And I think that that's the point I'm trying to make, Jess, is if they ask you what size hail hit the roof, that becomes testimony of things that you don't know because you weren't there. And so unless you witnessed it with your eyeballs, do you know what I mean? Like what kind of mold was in the house? I don't know. I can tell you what was reported, but I don't know because I did not personally test it. So I can't testify with any sort of accuracy other than what I've been told. And you and I have been told the same thing. So why are you asking me? I don't know. I don't have any different answer than the same information that you got. So I think that that's important to remember is like, and, and one of the things that you can do is you don't know, because if you don't know and you were not an absolute, you know, experiential witness to it, the answer to the question is, is I don't know. You don't know what what size hail hit the roof? No, I do not. I have no idea. And neither does anybody else. You know, and and it's like because even though and I say this not to answer the attorney, but I say this for those of you who don't know, just tell us all where radar stops. Uh, I think most of it's 50 miles, right? Well, I, what no, 50 mile radius? no, the highest, uh, the highest that it goes. I, to be honest, I can't remember. It's 400 feet. feet. I, it's, it's about 400 feet. See, I, told you, I don't really know. <laughs> so it's about 400 feet. And it, and depending on the kind of radar that they're using, it may even be higher than that. But the reason, yeah, that's what I was going to get. Was- but the reason radar stops at 400 feet is because there's a lot of structures that are that tall, and radar doesn't really work, right? Because radar is essentially line of sight. So, um, if something interrupts that radar, you can't say with any degree of accuracy. And so, think about these houses and all of the structures that are taller than a house so they don't know even the reports that you're getting don't know what hail what size hail hit the house they knew what size it was when it was at six seven eight hundred feet but they don't know what size it was i mean these are these are all best guesses so you don't know and i think that that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that gets you out of anything from you know because i'm an expert i don't have any problem saying i don't know You know, because I think that's one of the things that makes you an expert in certain things is knowing when to say, I don't know. And if you don't know it and you don't, I mean, because these things are all, I mean, because the idea here is, is the things I know would fall under the category of exculpatory evidence. And if it doesn't fall under the category of exculpatory evidence, and it only falls under the category of circumstantial evidence, which are eyewitness accounts, those kinds of things then you cannot speak to it because it would either be hearsay. It would be all kinds of different things. Jess, did you have something? I'll shut up. 
no, no. I was just agreeing with you, the hearsay thing too. Um, I know that sometimes on some of the depositions, um, I was asked to, you know, provide expert opinion on an estimate. And then there was, there was clearly a copy paste error. I, I mean, it was an assumption, right? The house had been empty, but this public adjuster had accidentally put a pack out estimate in there. It looked like copy paste because um, I had seen it in one or two of the other estimates, right? So, I mean, and they asked, why would why would this public adjuster have put this pack out in here on an empty house? I do not know. Yeah, you don't. I know. do not know. Yeah. I could. I mean, it it looked like a copy paste error, but you don't say that. You don't say, "Oh, yeah, that just seems to me like a copy paste error." What you're speculating? <laughs> don't do their job. You for just them. say, "I yeah. don't know." Yep. Right. I completely agree with that, Donna. Is like, don't do their job for them. Don't help them with information that they're not absolutely requesting. Because I think that's the idea. Is it's up to you to figure out what questions to ask me. Before I give you anything, you got to know what, I mean, because I'm not going to tell you, you know what I mean? So that's, that's on you to figure out. And I, you know, I think all of this is like super helpful, um, you know, because as you're telling it to me, it begun, it begins to make a, it makes conceptual sense to me, like when you're going in there, but I have, as anybody who's ever listened to this show knows that I have a hard time finding the breaks when it comes to talking, you know, and I think that no. that's, <laughs> Come on now. I was, I, that was a self confession there. You didn't have to pile on. Oh, yeah. Punch him while he's down. Golly, Kick him while he's down. I mean, geez. Right in the ribs on that one. I think that was a kidney shot. You know what I mean? And then she punched me in the back of the head. Um, no, I did that. And I, I personally yeah, would struggle with that. That would be very difficult for me. And, you know, is that what, is that why they said that you sucked? Is because you like to, you know, explain things because I know that the information is important to you. You know what I mean? So that yes. you have a clear was, understanding. I would try, and this is why I sucked and don't do this PAs. Do not do it. Okay. I've, I've already embarrassed the crap out of myself. Don't do it. I would think as they're answering the question and the series of questioning, I felt like, Oh my God, I already know where this is going. I'm just going to cut the head off at this, you know, the snake and just, we're going to put this to bed. I'm going to go ahead and clarify before they have to ask me these other 10 questions. I know they're going to get, no, no, that's not your job. It is their job to ask you. It goes back to the, what time do you know what time it is? Well, yes, it's four 30. No, stop. You, you thought ahead. You made assumptions on what they were going to ask next. Stop. That is not your job. It is their job, like you you hit the nail on the head, it is their job to formulate the correct questions to ask you. If they ask you, do you know what time it is? You count to five, you say, yes, I do know what time it is and say nothing more. Even though it is human nature to go, oh, well, yeah, you want to be helpful, right? Yeah, I know what he's asking next. He's going to say, what is the time? So yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and, and help I, yeah, him out right. and just let him know it's 420. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, just sort of kind of put a bow on it. One of, one of the things that I am, I'm just given, like one of my giftings is to be a teacher. 
you know, and if you want to yes. find out what a great teacher I am, please show up on March the 5th to the Controlling the Narrative <laughs> seminar. Anyway, no, <laughs> I like to teach. And so relating and communicating yes. information for the purposes of consumption and application is something that matters to me. And so when, I, and you've got to re, redirect that. So one of the things that I think that I would use just to slow myself down and possibly really frustrate the the shit out of the other attorney is like can you repeat the question yes and there's nothing against doing that either yeah they can't repeat the question can you please repeat the question and that gives you some time to think about what you're doing and that's a that's just a really good sort of device that you can throw out there to kind of slow yourself down can you repeat the question and that guy will get will go crazy on that i i know i would i know it drive me crazy and the last thing is to spell out acronyms that you're using or certain industry specific jargon or whatever. Like if you say, well, the IICRC, for example, spell it out. Institute of Inspection, Cleaning and Restoration Certification. Like that goes kind of goes back to the preparation, right? Like some of us use the terms say, and, and half I the time. Have to say, I don't we know. don't even know what it means. <laughs> no idea. It's a standard that I was made aware of, and it's a book that I've never read, but I heard one time that this so I wouldn't be able to speak to the IICRC standard. Do you know what I mean? I have I have picked up a lot at one point in time I was certified, but it was like long, 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 long time ago. And I know that there have been things that have changed, I believe, you know what I mean, through different versions and things like that. Um, I I would not want to speak with any sort of, I mean, I know it informs kind of how I, how I, how I investigate a loss. There are things that I know, like, you know, the category of water, but I am not certified to really even speak to what it is. And anything that I really know about it that comes from any sort of recent understanding is from just a bunch of shit somebody told me. You know what I'm saying? And I retain the information. I'll pick up the phone and call Jess and go, hey, Jess, um, what cat if this is the loss and this is where the water went, what what category water is this and how should I operate? And then she's going to tell me, well, Jeremy, that's category three. Um, That's a cat. That's a category three. Um, What's the other classification? There's two different classifications usually with water. Um, Yeah, one's class. One's category and the other is class 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 one class two class three class four yeah Yeah. so it's a category three class three well i don't know i don't know that but i will go and and you know estimate and investigate kind of with that sort of stuff and i'm going to you know use those sorts of protocols and i'm going to get some loose information but that's what informs my estimate and what i understood it to be but i'm in no way an expert and and i think here's the thing here's the other thing that i want to point out before we get into round three it's okay to be wrong you know what i mean and as long as as long as you can support your reasoning um, there's nothing wrong with being wrong because I can tell you this carriers are wrong all the time. And, and because I don't even have to go to a deposition to know that a carrier is wrong. And I, you know, and I would question some of their estimating skills as well. So more than likely, if you're a PA and you're a working PA, you're going to be way more prepared for answering questions about that claim than anybody that ever worked on the carrier side, I would believe. You know what I mean? Because you're going to have more firsthand information than the desk adjuster would. You know, they may call in the independent adjuster, but again, his answers are, this is what the guidelines told me to do. This is what I was instructed to do. And that's generally 
the the veil that they hide behind so any final thoughts i mean i, I know i final thoughted there for like 20 minutes but no anything else to, add? to wrap that up i didn't I didn't mean to pick IICRC specifically, just meant to use it as an example. Yeah, right. If you use acronyms, spell it out. <laughs> I don't know. Spell, you know what it is. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, spell out your acronyms and know your abbreviation. So if you plan on referring to it, make sure on the night before what we told you when you're preparing, know your acronyms when yeah. you go in. And uh, do they let you have notes? Can Are you allowed, can you have notes basically to refresh your memory or do you have to go in there just all off the top of your head. Uh, I'm going to count to five. I'm going to say, I do not know the official answer to that question. Okay, great. You know what? I mean, if it's on Zoom, I, I'm sure they can't control what you've got. I guess they could do some things. But anyway, well, guys, we're going to get into the thing. I can't imagine they wouldn't let you with notes, right. but now I'm opining, yeah. um, you know. Right. I mean, like, I, they're my acronyms. I want to make sure that I remember them because I'm going to be nervous. And there's things that you know really quickly if you're just talking to your buddy at the water cooler if you're just talking to your buddy at the water cooler or you know you're talking like you can talk about football but the moment it becomes a lawyer and it goes down on the record and you know that you have to be accurate some of that very you know instant recall memory kind of kind of checks out on you so you know just again study study that stuff and be ready to go guys we're going to get into the things that you shouldn't do in round three and it starts right after this when choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including three voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Well, call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service in SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E, Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E. And she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round three, what you shouldn't do. 
Well, we've done two rounds here, and I think we've talked a lot about what you shouldn't do, but let's go ahead and revisit these things so that at least we have a category, um, you know, that we're, we're kind of lumping these things together. And I think this is going to be a much easier conversation. So what is the thing that's swimming around in the top of your head? First thing out of your mouth, Jess, what do you not do? I would definitely say, going back to don't volunteer too much information. Right. Stick stick to the scope of the question and not like throw the role, you know, the, the, the whole manual, so to speak at the opposing council, stick to the facts. And only again, going back to only what question was asked, even if you know the line of the questioning that's coming next, let, let them do it. That's their job. Just because you don't hundred percent know. Sometimes you just think, you know, <laughs> Like I said, I've been, oh man, my first few were so bad. Um, so definitely don't volunteer too much, too, too much information. The second is when they ask the question, oh, oh God, I used to do this all the time. It was so bad. I would just be like, yep, yep. I already got the answer. I got the answer. And as soon as they finished the question, I immediately started answering. That's, that's a huge no, no. And it, count to five is has been beat into my head over and over and over again and you really do formulate a much better answer to just the question when you stop and think of the words it is so annoying to sit there and count to five after every stinking question but it is such a good thing to practice and put into practice so that it becomes muscle memory that's the thing you're looking for. Practice so that it becomes muscle memory. The next one, you kind of hit the head on already, and that's the guessing or speculating. Oh, man. As soon as yeah. you... <laughs> and I'm the one that would do that. What's the word of the day? What's the word of the day? Um, the uh... I got to write that down. Hold on. What's the word How of the day? That? That it's we... ultra, crep ultra crepidarian. I, I, golly. How do you spell that? I, I, the old, old, I gotta write this one down. L-T-R-A-C-R-E-P-I-D-A-R-I-A-N. Ultra crepidarian. Do not be ultra crepidarian. Eighty-seven <laughs> percent of all facts are one hundred percent false. <laughs> ultra crepidariously speaking. <laughs> Another one is interrupting. Um, oh God! Sometimes I, know I would do that. I know I would do that. Like you I'm just all, did it. I, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sometimes, and, and I've done it a handful of times myself. You know that they're trying to twist your words. They're trying to twist what you were saying into just something you know is not how you meant it whatsoever. And you, as soon as they start asking that next question where they twist your words around, you just, you want to just snap and just bite the head off and say, excuse me, that is not what I said. Let them get the question out. Count to five because that keeps your composure as well. Because like we said in the first round, they are going to push your buttons. They're going to. It's not if they are going that's to push your tactic. buttons. That's a tactic. That's a very real tactic. 
Um, I'm going to throw one here in the middle is, is if you find yourself getting frustrated or agitated, do what she said, take a break. Don't let your frustration take over in a deposition. You really need to remain calm. I would think, you know what I'm saying? You got to keep, you got to keep your wits about you because once you lose your shit, um, that's that's not something you can walk back because everything is on the record at that point in time and they'll hold you to it. You know what I mean? So um that is speaking of record, they they share them. The the, the carriers share them. It it's yeah, you have a a, a dossier of your own <laughs> once you start oh, wow. doing these. Yeah, once you, yeah, will... yeah, so they, they pull up information so so you know <laughs> country ranch is going to call over and call you know half state and and half state is going to share these attorneys talk to each other they play golf it's like what's the information that you have on jessica odell oh yeah we've got a dossier on jessica odell here's the things that she already testified that that she knew you know what i mean and that was last week so um if she tries to say that she knows something else i mean those are all things that's all fair game you know what i mean um, and, and the biggest thing, you know, and kind of going back to the thing that you said is don't, is don't speculate. Don't be ultra crepidarian about anything for the purposes of making you appear to be more of an expert, or at least I, I think, I think I would be more inclined if they tried to disqualify me early on that I would try to opine on something as though it were fact. I am telling you, I would, that is, that is something that would be a, a blind spot and a weak spot for me, for sure. That's rough. Get, when, when you become defensive, it, it, it does. It's, it's really tough because you want to defend your honor. You want to defend your, the company that you were working for. You want to defend the insured. You want to, you know, you, you, you and, and you, you take offense too that this person is trying to attack you and for something that has absolutely nothing to do with the claim. Well, I've said in multiple shows, get it. I, I've said in multiple shows, one of the things that you have to realize is your role as a public adjuster is that you are not the arbiter of justice here. And I think sometimes you walk in with that weight on your shoulders. I mean, a lot of times it's placed there by yourself. There is a good, I mean, you are wanting to bring a good outcome. At some level, you've put your reputation and your integrity out there. And so the weight of that gets really, really heavy. You know what I'm saying? Don't let that inform your answers. So, I mean, again, most of the questions I believe that attorneys ask are not open-ended, you know, so tell me your story. You know what I mean? It's more yes or no. Right. It's like, um, you know, were you an independent adjuster prior to being a public adjuster? Yes. You know, how long were you an independent adjuster? You know, six years. You know, who, all, what, did you work for carriers? Yes, I worked for carriers. You know, they're not going to ask for... You know, they're most of those most of the questions that they're going to ask are going to be very closed ended because what they so that want. they can they can send you down a road. Yeah, right. And so they're not going to let you, you know, sh you know, rabbit trail off into something else because that is how they direct the conversation. And one of the things that I even do with desk adjusters is um, one of the things that I do with desk adjusters is I do a very similar thing. Um, sometimes I, I, I'm able to have the entire conversation with them, especially if we're working together and there's a rapport. 
Um, but often I have to sprinkle these questions in through multiple conversations or emails where they are absolute yes and no questions. And here's one of my favorite yes or no questions that I ask a desk adjuster all the time. Is it your intention to indemnify this claim? And I hardly ever get a yes or no. They try to qualify and explain it. It's like, so is that a yes or is that a no? Well, it depends. I was like, does it really depend? You know what I mean? And so that's where, and so what I would, what I would encourage you to do is like, if you don't want to answer either yes or no, or because it depends, um, you know, I, <laughs> I don't, what, what is the thing that you, you shouldn't do there? I mean, it's like, I, if, if, if it's neither yes or no, and it truly depends on the situation, um, I, I hate to go back to round two here, but I would have to do that. I mean, what are the things that you do is like, I decline to answer because it's not like you don't know. Um, I mean, what's the answer there when it's not really a yes or no in your mind? It's not that simple. You can count to five again, because that's muscle memory. I'm, I'm telling you just, if you don't just count to five all every, every single time, count to five, please. Um, Regather your thoughts and just say, can you please restate the question? Because nine times out of 10, they're going to realize the way they asked it was too, too open and, and whatever. They will reword it and sometimes they'll get clarity just in that of, in, in and of itself. So you can just say, can you please restate the question? And then if it comes back, you can say, that depends. Now, if they say on what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what I would do from from the uh, on what the scenario. But usually they'll, yeah, usually they'll they'll rephrase it the the question to get because they already know the answer. They know the answer they're looking for. That's the other thing I was I was made aware of. They're not asking you questions because they truly don't know. They already are trying. They already know what answer they are trying to arrive, you know, or get you to say. That's the reasoning for the question. So simply just asking them to restate the question, it might fix itself. When I was a teenager, my dad used to tell me, if I ask you a question, I already know the answer. So well, like, yeah. Where were you last night? <laughs> Be careful no, what you say because he already knows. Well, well general, yeah, right. There's, there's a lot of questions that they're going to ask that they've already researched and found the answer. And they're just giving you an opportunity to, I mean, I hate to say the, the, the P word here, but perjure yourself in a, in a sworn deposition. And if you do that and they find out, look, if that happens, I mean, Jess, have you ever heard of somebody doing that? I mean, is there, I mean, would they prosecute that in your opinion? If no, you just yeah, out and out honest. perjured yourself and it, and you know, and they caught you or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm, I haven't been in that situation and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know of anybody that's been in that situation either. Yeah, the point is, is I'm actually quite surprised at how many public adjusters don't get to post on their files. Yeah, well, I don't know if, if maybe maybe there's just a push because I, I worked a lot of hurricane claims. Yeah, and, and maybe that was right. Well, that was and, a lot. And the states that you've worked in, as far as these hurricane claims, are very litigious states anyway. You know what I mean? Because yes. of the nature yes. of the insurance laws that exist, like in Louisiana, for example. 
the 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 public adjuster Funny. can't argue the policy and so basically most public adjusters that are operating at a high level in in uh in louisiana are are for the most part working as court experts on behalf of an attorney you know what i mean and so the public adjuster is a part of the pre-trial due diligence if you will so um yes. So yeah, but, I don't. I, mean, I don't really know of anyone that's the biggest thing I could tell been, you is don't lie. You know what I mean? That um, is, yeah, right? Don't lie. <laughs> you know, and it's like even if it makes you look bad or it torpedoes the case, it, you know, it's one case, it's one loss in the grand landscape. Because the last thing we need is you, you know, at a minimum losing your license for perjuring yourself. You are no longer somebody because that is really and truly a crime of moral turpitude that could call into question your integrity to even work files anymore. And I'm telling you, there's not enough public adjusters out there as it is. We don't need any right. loot. We don't need to be losing them because they're trying to show somebody in a deposition how smart they are because nobody cares how smart you are. That is, that is, that is, so don't go in there trying to prove how smart you are or don't. And the other thing I would say, the big don't, the big don't that kind of flashes in my head is that don't get competitive in a deposition. Don't try to get them in there and try to prove them wrong and show them how smart you are. Don't do that. Just go in there and answer the questions and you should go in there with a fair amount of reverence is what I would say, and be prepared to listen to what they're asking. And I would tell you, you know, I wouldn't be combative in any kind of way, but if you need something to slow you down, um, you know, kind of what we suggested, like what Jessica said, it's slow down, count to five. You know what I mean? But if I had counted to five, by that time, I will have forgotten the question and I would have to say, repeat the question, please. You know, those little things that you have to do, especially until you kind of settle into the deposition and the nerves kind of calm down. You know what I mean? Um, that is, that is one of the things, cause I think I would be super nervous. I don't know. I mean, were you nervous when you first sat down in it, Jess? Was that something you, sorry, sir. Can you were you nervous? Repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> were you nervous when you first sat down in a, oh. you weren't nervous at all or were you? I was big time nervous. Yes. Because, uh, the only kind of. I mean, I'd watched Suits, I had watched My Cousin Vinny, I've watched all, you know, all these different shows, right? And, and so I was, you know, and coming from an intelligence, you know, community background where we do interrogations, I mean, I, I kind of felt like I know, I've seen all of that, and I was nervous that I would crack, right? Because I'm, I'm a, whatever you'd like to know, whatever would be helpful to you. So I knew that was going to be my weakness. So I was very nervous. Um. And, and the whole count to five thing sounds so easy, but it is so hard, so hard to do. It really is. Um, I, I just, I, again, the biggest thing is, is that I, I guess the reason, the reason that I, I, I want to push this is probably because at some level I'm cloaking all of you in my own shortcomings is like, I'm an incredibly competitive person. And moreover, more com more than I am competitive, I generally think and know I'm right. And when that kind of, when you walk in there with the idea that, hey, I'm right and I'm about to show these guys a thing or two, 
you've probably already given up half the battle at that point in time because they've got you right where they want you. So one of the things you don't do is walk in there thinking you're right. Walk in there as clear-headed as you possibly can without any kind of preconceived notions. If they ask me this, I'm going to say that. And if they come at me with this, I'm going to come at them with that because they are going to come out of left field and knock you in the side of the head. And, and the reality is, is that's going to happen to anybody. That's what they're trained to do. They're there, to, they're there to knock you off balance. And so the biggest thing is, is go in there with your sea legs and be ready, be ready, be ready for stuff you're not ready for. So, um, and just don't let it knock you off. And just remember some of these, you know, you know, little techniques and mnemonic devices that we've kind of thrown at you um, to prepare yourself for that. But most of all, I would like to say, um, talk to the attorney that you're working with and, and kind of see, you know, ask him sort of what direction that you think they're going to go and what direction he would go if he, if he were on the other side of the table. Um, I want to be clear about something. Jess and I are not attorneys. Anything that we have said in here should not be uh, construed as as uh, legal advice or legal direction in anything. Always contact an attorney if you have any kind of legal questions whatsoever. Jess, do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to leave these good people with um, prior to Thanksgiving? No, I just say, you know, shoot, re reach out to me. I mean, I, yeah. I can tell you all the things I did wrong and I, yeah, don't, don't go at it alone. <laughs> Many of us have messed up. Most important. Yeah. And we don't mind. Yeah. We support absolutely. you. Yeah. We don't, we don't mind our, you know, being vulnerable for a moment so that you can get out there and succeed. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, if you do have those questions or comments, please feel free to drop them in the chat below on whatever site you may have found the link to this we're going to uh, we kind of cover all of them so um, we'll be happy to answer any kind of questions um, if they you, might be hearing this after Thanksgiving they might be so uh, we either hope you have a great Thanksgiving or we hope <laughs> that your Thanksgiving was outstanding and you're headed into the Christmas season either way um, you know, if you like this, make sure that you click that like and subscribe button. Um, if you find this useful and you know a friend that's about to head into a deposition, make sure you share this with that friend. Um, guys, we couldn't do this without you. Your support is always uh, appreciated. Remember, um, if you want any information on the control the narrative class that's coming up, please go to remedyclaims.com slash training and fill out the information we're going to be opening up registration very soon um but in the meantime uh, we will be back next week so stay ready so you don't have to get ready and we will see you on the next one i like that one Bye.